it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 429 for March 17th. I'm your host, Allison Sheridan, and I'm joined by Bart Bouchatz of BartB.ie for Programming by Stealth, episode 11 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine, and I think it's great that you have an Irish guest on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, there you go. There you go. A little, little symmetry across the pond and all. That's great. I forgot to wear green, so good thing we did that. <laughs> yes, on an audio podcast, the wearing of green makes such a difference. Oh, yeah, you can totally tell, right? <laughs> All right, well, uh, I want to make sure everybody knows before we start that I was just so full of myself last week when I made my Amazon affiliate links for the other countries with the flags that Stephen Getz found for me and made the links and I put them in a little quote-unquote table, but it wasn't a table. I did it with CSS and HTML. Good, good, good. A nice little flex box, I presume. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little flex box there. And, uh, you know, I think the best thing you're doing here, Bart, is I feel so powerful. I feel like I can control things. And that's, that's just such a cool feeling to know that, that you're, you're doing it on your own, not just, well, I clicked a box and it showed up in the right place, you know, that I, I, I mostly understood what I did. Well, good, because that's exactly the point to take, take away the mysteries, you know, demystify it. It's all... It's all logical. It's all following the rules. It's, it's a silly computer. It does what it's told. Yeah, yeah I think that was in uh, Taming the Terminal Part 1. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even zero. Yeah, computers are stupid. Right, right, they, right. They do what we tell them, and they have absolutely no intelligence about it. <laughs> okay, so, so you've taught me that tables are evil and I should never use them, right? No, my catchphrase has been that tables are for one thing and one thing only, which is displaying tabular data. Ah, so I have avoided them until now because I wanted to make sure to teach you the right way to do all of the things that tables are ab- have been traditionally abused for, so that when we finally do get onto tables, we'll use them for what they're for, which is for displaying tabular data. Okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, so as I say, we've, we've learned all the cool ways of laying out pages. You proved it yourself by using a flexbox. So now let's get stuck into good old-fashioned tables. Well, I say good old-fashioned tables. We're not going to do old-fashioned tables. We're going to do modern tables. Newfangled tables. Yes. So recent versions of HTML have added and changed how tables are done. So as with everything else we've done in this series, I'm not teaching you the wrong ways and then telling you what the right ways are. I'm jumping straight ahead to the right way. Okay. Less confusing that way, I think. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why you taught us the the flex boxes first, and then yes. going to tables. So you taught us how to make little table looking things of stuff, and now we're going to do tables for what what they were intended for. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So no great leap of faith here, but the tag for defining a table is the table tag. Yay! So at so you open a table tag, and then what? Well. The correct way to do tables, the then what, is that you will use between one and four of the following tags, which will define regions of your table. And this is one of the places where the order of things is actually defined in the specification of HTML. Hmm. So you cannot put these in any order you like. There are four possible regions, one of which you have to use, three of which are optional, and they all have to be in this order. If you're going to use one, the caption comes first. If you're going to use it, the table header comes after the caption. Then after that, the table footer, which is very counterintuitive. And then last of all, the table body. So Hmm. in your markup, it's caption, heading, footer, body. Physically on the page, it will not be in that order. Physically on the page, it will be caption, header, body, footer. But for reasons that do actually make sense, the markup is the other way around. And the logic being, to allow browsers to be sensible, so imagine you have a really, really long table and you hit print on it. To allow the browser to actually start printing out your stuff in a sensible way, if it knows the footer up front, it can already print page one when it has one page worth of data. But if it didn't know the footer till the end, it would have to load the whole table before it could print one page. Ah, okay. So that's why the footer is up the top. So this was designed when printing mattered. <laughs> yes, and also it was designed with the idea that browsers would be free to, if they so wished, to have tables scroll in a sensible way. Now, no one has yet built a browser to do this, but it is theoretically possible to have browsers behave sensibly with tables. But alas, it has not yet happened. 
So I, I'm reading the show notes uh, if people aren't already following along at bartb.ie slash PBS. And uh, you're showing that the first three you described are optional and only T mm-hmm. body is uh, the, the table body is mandatory. But I don't think I've ever used that. Right. Because you've been doing tables the old way. Ah, so this is HTML5 then? I think it may actually be HTML4 that this came in on. So okay. there have been HTML1, 2, and 3 before that, remember. Okay. Well, uh, I never said I was good at tables, so that's... <laughs> true. Technically speaking, actually, you, you, you can still use the old way today. I just don't want to encourage people, so I'm just no. not even telling you about it. No, no. Okay. Well, good to know. Okay. So caption, T-head, T-foot, T-body. Uh, so these are direct children. So you know the way with a UL, the direct children were the LIs. Well, with a table, the direct children are the caption, the T-head, the T-foot, and the T-body. Okay. So as you said from the show notes, the caption is optional, the header is optional, the footer is optional. The only thing that isn't optional is the body. Because, well, if you don't have any data, why do you have a table? <laughs> so uh, what, what's the difference between a caption and a heading? Uh, we're going to see these in action, but the caption is sort of for describing what it is that's going to be in the table. So either you can treat that as, as a heading or you can treat it as a paragraph of text. Hmm. But it is basically going to be, it's not going to have cells. It's going to be the full width of the table. By default, it will be above the table, but you can make it not be. And yeah, so I generally okay. speaking, by default, it's displayed as if it was a heading. So it's centered across the top of the table. Okay, okay. So maybe, you know, my favorite, whatever is, could be a caption for a table. Not, now, uh, they call it caption, though, it's because the next one is called head. Yes, so the table head. header is where you should define your column headings. Okay, okay, for the columns, got you. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so the caption is basically for the table as a whole. And then the T head is for, effectively, the, the mass heads for the columns would be the most sane thing to put in a T head. A T foot, you can copy your headings again on a T foot is a perfectly valid thing to do. So if you have a very long table, it might be nice to have the headings at the bottom too. Hmm. Or you can use a T foot for, I often use it actually if I'm doing stuff in work, I will often use it to have some data about the data in the footer. Like, you know, this data was generated on blah date. You know, hmm. It incorporates all logs from this date to this date or, you know, something like that. But it's like the header in that there's one element for each column. Um, it depends. So we, I, I tend to have my footers not be, I, I tend to have one giant big column for my footers. Oh, okay. Okay. That That's makes, a choice that makes I make. It's not, yeah, okay. it's not required. Yeah. Okay. As, yeah. The, the footer, to be honest, is the least used of the three, of the four. Okay. And then the, the header is valuable as a separate thing because then you can format it separately, I'm guessing? Correct, yes. So even though browsers don't do nearly as sensible of things as they could with the T-head, T-foot, and T-body, they're still immensely useful for the reason that you can hook onto them for your CSS. So you can say that a cell inside the header should be whatever, blue, bold, whatever you'd like, and then a cell inside the body should be a different color. Okay. Which is probably what you would want to do a lot of the time. Okay, so inside your T-head, your T-foot, and your T-body, you are going to have rows of cells. So that's the way a table works. So you have the outside layer is the table tag. You may or may not have a caption. Then you have these three regions. You know, you have one or three of them, depending. And inside each of those three regions, your T-head, your T-foot, and T-body, you define rows. And inside those rows, you define cells. So a row is defined by the T-or tag, which in your brain you should register as table row. Oh, good. That one actually makes sense. It does. The next two make sense if you remember the little mnemonic, but not on their own. So you have two types of cell. You have a header cell and a data cell, which are TH and TD. Okay, but we already defined the header. Well, no, we defined a region where our headers are going to go. Oh, that's just a region. Yes. It could be multiple rows long, right? You may have... If you have weird data, you might have three rows of header data. I don't know. I, you don't see it very often, but people do you weird could. things. Okay, so T-head. Can you have T-H uh, rows that are not part of a T-head? Absolutely. So if you have, you'll often have a table with headings on both axes, right? Where you have, mm-hmm. say, you know, along, down the side, downwards you might have like a row for every country, and then across you might have data for each country. So then you actually would have, a heading column and a heading row, if you want to think of it that way. So you can have okay. THs inside your data rows. Okay. 
So right, yeah, I so have to keep thinking about that region thing. That's gonna, but maybe in the examples we'll get I into. I was gonna it. say once we start to see tables, then the regions become sort of obvious. Okay. Um, and so you can use ths within within the body, and you can use tds within the header. Tds within the header don't make much semantic sense, but you can if you like. And what were tds uh, again? Table data. So okay. a TD is a, table, a data cell and a TH is a header cell. Okay. And it's very important that you use the right cell purely for the reason that it will make your styling just work. <laughs> okay. Right? So if you use a TH where you mean a TH, and if you use a TD where you have data, it'll just work. So you'll be styling them individually. All right. Now, in the bad old days when tables were horribly abused, you had all sorts of advanced things you could do with tables. You, ca- you could have one cell span over four rows and three columns and all these kind of weird things. Or you could have a table inside a table and all sorts of carry on because you were using tables to lay out an entire web page. I'm not going to talk about any of that stuff. With one teeny tiny exception, I'm going to tell you that you may in your footer want, it to, want to have just one cell that spans the whole table. And I'm going to tell you how to do that, which is an, a HTML attribute called call span, hmm. which is the number of columns the cell should span. Oh. So if you have a four column table and you want one cell to span all four, you say th call span equals four, whatever it is, slash th or td call span equals four or whatever it is, slash td. So there's an example there of a footer that spans all four columns in the show notes. Ah, I see where you're going here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I have absolutely done that thing where I'm trying to do embedded tables within tables to make this mm-hmm. thing be sideways to that. Oh, oh. Head, head explode. It's not. It's not good. Yeah, and you have no chance of being able to read it correctly. You know, it's, it's very especially when you start having multi multi row columns and multi column columns. And and your and whatever application you're using on does your indents. Yes, I've had oh, yeah, that no, happen it, where I'm like, ah, yeah, don't want to go there. So as you can see in the example, our T-foot region has one row. So you have T-foot, then T-or, and one cell, T-T-H, because it's a header cell, slash T-or, slash T-foot. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. We have to find the footer there as a region with one row. Right. Okay, so let's start with a simple table with no styles. Just a straightforward table. So I've included the HTML first. Um, it's actually a full web page, so you can stick it onto your little web server and have a play with it. It's actually included in the zip file later on in the show notes, but you can copy and paste it from here either. So I'm just calling it, what am I calling it? SimpleTable.html. Okay. So our usual stuff at the top of the HTML document, I'm going to skip over all that until we get to the bit that says table on line 14. So you can see we have table, and then immediately we have captions, some dummy data. Then we have our T-head, which contains one row... And that row then contains four table head or table header cells. Right. Unix timestamp ISO eighty six oh one date username and action. So this is going to be some log information that I completely made up. <laughs> and then the next thing, counterintuitively, is the footer. So we have no data yet. We have a caption, a heading, then our footer, and only then do we get to put our data in. So our T foot has one row which has a call, which has one cell which we're spanning across all four of our columns. And it says, all data in this table is fictitious. Hey, Bart, I'm going to pause us right here for a second because uh, somebody's running a weed whacker here. Hang on. And we're recording again, and I'm going to leave that in so that the audience knows that I realized that was probably annoying and I fixed it. <laughs> well, I couldn't hear anything if that's helpful. Okay. Yeah. Now everybody's like, what are you talking about, Allison? <laughs> I also took the opportunity to stick a sweet in my mouth, so excuse me for a moment. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay, so uh, I'm going to recap for myself what we just talked about. So Mm -hmm. we just put in a uh, table row that had four header cells, and we've wrapped it in the uh, thing that explains the region, the T-head. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we can see those across the top. Gotcha. And then we have our T-foot to find immediately below that, even though it will appear at the bottom of the table. Oh, right, right. And got the column span thing. Yes, one row with a single cell in it that's spanning over four columns, because we have four columns in this table. Right. And then finally, we have our T-body, which is our actual data. So T-body, T-or, so we open a row, and then we have inside that row four TDs for table data. So we have a Unix timestamp, an ISO 8601 date, T-cook, domain logon. And the next row, another date, EQ, password reset. Um, (laughs) J-I've logged into the Wi-Fi... 
T. Cook decided to write another open letter, so we logged into the content management system, and then Angela Ahrens decided to check the stock in their tracking system. I'm sure that's what they get up to in Apple. Convinced right. that's what they do. So, as you see, very straightforward markup, really. Mm-hmm. We have our four regions. We're using all four because that makes it a good example. And then what does it look like? Well, it doesn't look all that spectacular because we have done zero styling whatsoever. The one thing we do get for free is that everywhere we use the TH has become bold by default. So without any, doing any more work, our headings already stand out. Oh, what caused that? Because we use the TH tag. Okay. So we defined our heading cells as being heading cells by saying TH instead of TD. And the default HTML immediately bolds TD, TH tags just like it bolds H1 tags. Oh, okay. Okay. The reasonable default for a heading cell is to bold it. Sure. So our headings have already been bolded. Our table caption doesn't look all that, or doesn't stand out all that well. It's, a, it's their some dummy data centered across the whole table. And then our footer, so you'll notice that the heading cells, as well as being bolded, are also centered by default, which I don't understand. Why would you want heading centered but the data to be left aligned by default? I think it looks terrible because look what the heading for action is. It's centered across the, the last column, but that means that it's like domain log <laughs> is short. It looks silly. I just think it looks silly. Yeah, I have to say, though, I have never seen a table that was immediately formatted the way I wanted it anyway. I'm always going That's and going, okay, point. this needs to be centered. That should be left justified. But I'm using my brain to figure those out, that the data doesn't ever tell me what it should look like until I'm looking at it. I still think everything should just be left aligned by default, and then it would actually look more sane out of the box. Yeah, at least if but it started way. that way, one or the other, <laughs> like center yeah, it all not, or left justified, yeah. not half and half. Yeah. Yeah, so the default style for a TD is left aligned, and the default style for a TH is center. Go figure. Okay, so let's style these things. So we, we have our basic table. It doesn't look like much. This is where CSS comes in. The first thing you may want to control is the width of your table. So by default, the table will be as wide as the data says it should be. Okay. And this means if you have multiple tables in your document, it will probably look a mess because they'll all be different widths to each other. And I don't know about you, but I don't like that. <laughs> so you should set a width, in my opinion. Um we we already met the width property in CSS when we were dealing with our various boxes so and things. this is width with respect to the size of the page or the size of the element within the page? Well, it all depends on how we decide to do it. So if we say width 100px, then the table will be 100 pixels wide. If we say width 100%, it will use up all available space. If we say width 50%, it will use half the available space. Okay. It's Yeah, so it, okay. it behaves depending on what we tell it to do. Generally speaking, my approach is width 100%. I do that in pretty much all my tables, just making a full width. The next thing I want to talk about is borders, because most tables have borders of some sort so that you can easily tell where one cell begins and another cell, well, ends. Because, again, by default, when you look at it, it's a bit of a mess. So this does uh, the tables don't default to have any border on them in normal they CSS? Do not. Or, okay. You can see in the first of the screenshots there, yeah. that is a default table. There are no borders on those cells. Okay. So to let's start by just putting a dumb border around. So we need to put a border on the table as a whole, and then we need to put a border on each of the cells, which means... Um, I'm go I, I, with tables, I generally occupy the rule that you don't want to be you don't want to be scattering styles to the five winds. You want to be a little bit specific. So I would say give your table a class and then style it according to its class. So I've decided to use the class basic for my f first example. So in the CSS, we say table dot basic, comma, table dot basic space th, comma table dot basic space td. So what does that mean? Can I guess? Yes, please. Bit of revisions. <laughs> well, uh, I think that it means that you're going to say for all of these table elements, we're going to uh, not only the table itself, but table headers and uh, the data cells. I'm going to define some stuff about them. That way I don't Correct. have to do it three times. Exactly. So the commas are just basically saying this and this and this and this. And so we're saying TH is inside our basic table, TD is inside our basic table, and the basic table itself they all get border colon 1px solid black. Okay. Very basic, but there we go. Now, if you do that in the HTML example we have above, 
then what you would see is that the table gets a box around it, and so do each of the cells. But it's not very obvious what's going on, except for the fact that the, there's some sort of gap between the cells. So let's actually intentionally widen the gap so we can talk about it and so we can see what I'm talking about. So the width of the gap is controlled by something called the border minus spacing CSS property. Okay. So I am going to set that to 10 pixels, which is stupidly wide, right? <laughs> and then we can see in the screenshot what's really going on. So the screenshot below has our 10 pixel spacing. And it looks horrible. It's a bunch it of boxes look- sitting inside of a bigger box. They're not, the borders aren't touching each other. Exactly. So it's one big box for the table, and then each cell has an individual box. And, they're, and those boxes have a gap between them. So you have a 10-pixel gap between all the different boxes. And that is the default way that HTML taught tables should look, and it's bloody awful. <laughs> Thankfully, as things moved on, uh, it was decided to make tables have the option to behave like people would expect them from having used Excel for many, many years. And there is a CSS property called border minus collapse. Oh. And the default value for border minus collapse is separate, which is what you're seeing there. So the borders are separate, not collapsed. But the other value for border collapse is collapse. <laughs> it's not a, this is not well worded, right? So border minus collapse colon collapse will collapse your borders. Okay. And what that means is that cells touch each other. Okay. So this has so, nothing to do with margins or anything like that yet. No, just, no. Uh, well, there are going to be no margins because we're collapsing the borders. As soon as you collapse the borders, okay. then there's... I thought there was a margin property also, no? Uh, well, the margin property in tables doesn't really behave like it should. Okay. Well, it doesn't be, no, the margin property isn't, uh, doesn't apply in tables. Okay. You have this cell spacing property. And you have these, well, that's uh, where I've tried spacing. to use it. It didn't work very well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're right. It, doesn't. It, works on, it works on normal elements. It doesn't work on tables. tables this is fun. Weird. All I'm learning is all, why nothing I ever did worked the way I wanted it to. Well, that's good, right? Because now you're learning the right way to do it. Okay. So Where were you five years ago, by the way? (laughs) I was right here. Um, So the CSS below shows how to make what I think is a sane start at a table. So we say table.basic because we're still, again, I'm styling a class of table because I don't want to have my CSS affecting too many things. So we're saying table.basic with 100% to give us a full width table. Border minus collapse, colon, collapse. So we collapse the borders to be Excel-like, I call it. Uh, and then we have table.basic space TH, comma, table.basic space TD. So in other words, our two types of cell. And we're saying border 1px solid black. Now notice there is no need to set a border on the table as a whole because every edge of the table is also the edge of a cell. And since we've collapsed oh. the borders, then that's taken care of for us. But you did already say table.basic, so... Oh, okay, no, 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 you didn't. You took it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I took it out. I took it oh. out. Huh. So again, okay. that's, that's the type here. That makes sense. So again, one pixel black. And now look at our screenshot. That's much closer to where we would pretty. like to Can I ask a question? Uh, if we back up a little bit to when we had our goofy little boxes around boxes, um, yeah. the titles appear to have formatted themselves very interesting. Like Unix timestamp appears to be full justified. So Unix is stuck to the left of the box. Time is stuck to the right. And then stamps scroll down to the bottom. Yeah, I'm not. I think that's picking up a style from something else. Oh, okay, okay, it's not part of this. Okay, yeah, all right. Okay, so we now have closer to sane tables. Uh, the next thing we might like to do is control the widths of our columns. So you'll notice there in our example that they're not all the same width. Something has made a guess as to how wide columns should be. And it isn't the world's worst guess, actually, because everything is fitting without anything breaking lines. So maybe it's not the world's stupidest guess. But basically, the way tables work by default is that they're in something called auto layout mode. And basically, the whole table is red, and then it decides what ratio to divide the columns into to best fit the data available. So like what we'd like Excel to do, but it never does? I guess, (laughs) I guess. The thing is, if you have multiple tables in the same document and they're left on auto they will all choose differently how to distribute their columns and that doesn't i don't like that i really don't like that anarchy it's anarchy and depending on the data you put in your tables will will change how they look so actually you may want to do it the other way around and decide how the column should be distributed and that that the data fit in so you can 
basically the default mode is controlled by a CSS property called table minus layout and it's default. So table minus layout, the default value for which is auto, the other value for which is fixed. So if you set it to fixed, then you are asserting control over the column widths. Hmm. So, so table dash layout colon fixed means I'm in charge now. And we're going to apply this as CSS just to our table basic. To the we're going to yes we're going to apply that to the table. So it, it gets, the, this property is a property of the table, not a property of a cell. But I mean to sense? this table, we're going to set up in our class. We're going to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So the next so, table you create, if it wasn't that class, would be uh, go back to auto. Correct. Okay. Unless you decide that you really, really, really hate auto and you want it to apply to everything, and then you could say table open curly bracket table dash layout colon fixed. Oh. But again, I don't like I don't like making my CSS rules too generic with tables because if someone copies and pastes your code into say a blog that's using table based layout, then they could cause chaos. Sure. Okay. And there are a lot of you know as much as I don't want there to be tables used for layout. A lot of themes in various packages people may be using, like WordPress, would still be table-based. And then if you're a little bit too generic with your CSS, you end up breaking the whole website. Okay. Okay, so once we've said fixed, the default behavior will be to make all columns the same width. This is not a bad default, but probably not what you want with most things. <laughs> Let me guess, if you said 100% and you put in four columns, are they each going to be 25 Yep. Yeah, well, okay. yeah, if you have five columns that will divide into five equal parts. If you say nothing more than table layout colon fixed, they, it'll just distribute the columns evenly. And, as and you if it was 100 eight, pixels, they would each be 25 pixels. Yeah. Yeah, it'll just distribute them evenly. So we now want to start asserting control. And there are lots of different ways of doing it. Uh, my preferred approach is to set an explicit width on each of the TDs inside the T head. Okay, each, uh, each of the TDs? I thought every yes. TD was separate. Yes, exactly. So we're going to set an explicit width on each of our column headers. No, no, you said TDs. You mean THs. I do mean THs, yes. Okay, good. I was going to say, that's a lot of CSS if I got 100 yeah. cells. Yes. <laughs> yes, okay. no, so basically, yeah, so we're going to do it inside the table header is what I do. Okay. And we're going to use what we learned about last week, which is the nth child property. Mm to set our headers on the first, second, third, and fourth column. So you'll see the sample CSS here. This is a place where I think you should be really specific because hmm. you really don't want these widths leaking into anything else. So I would say give the table an ID and set the widths against that ID. And there can only be one of an ID on a, table, on a, on a page, and that way your widths are not going to start having weird side effects. So let's repeat that piece because that was something uh, you may have said before, but I completely missed. And when I went to do my, uh, my flags, my fun with flags page, uh, I didn't understand that. So say that again, that IDs, there's only one ID for each, ta uh, each page. Right, so if, you, if, you're do, if you're following the rules and you decide to give something the ID of boogers, uh -huh. you may not give anything else that ID on the same page. Not An unique. ID should be unique. You say that again, so you may not give... Right, so if you say table ID equals boogers, mm -hmm. then you, you should not anywhere else on the page in any other tag say ID equals boogers. Right? You should never have two things on the page with the same ID. Okay. Now, you, there's nothing to stop you typing it in, right? There's, okay. no, there's nothing going to reach out and stab you in the eye, but you're doing it wrong. If you give two things the same ID, then it's not a unique identifier anymore because there's two of them. Okay. Okay. So a class is something that can be generic and used in a bunch of places, but an yes. ID is you're saying, I'm saying this one is boogers. Exactly. Can I, so can I use ID boogers on two different pages for two different things? Sure, because nothing knows, yeah, a, a page is the universe, right? So you can have an oh. idea of boogers in your page, and I can have an idea of boogers in, or you can have an idea of boogers in another page. Like, as far as the browser is concerned, the page is the universe. Okay. The page I'm displaying now is all of creation. Okay. And so if someone else uses that idea in a parallel universe or another web page, it doesn't matter. Even but though it's on my same website, those pages are universes in and of themselves. Pages are universes in and of themselves as far as a browser is concerned. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we're so in a multi-universe model then? Hmm? Yeah, we're in a multiverse, yeah. <laughs> a little wormholes between pages called links. little astronomy joke there. Okay. Okay, so 
I think you should be very, very careful when you're setting your wits to really precisely target them. So I like to use something with an ID so I know I can't be having collateral damage because I really don't want these wits to be applied to the wrong thing. So I am saying that our example table, I've given it an ID logs underscore table. And so I'm going to apply my styles to hash logs underscore table space T head space TH colon nth child one. So what's going on here? Lots of spaces. So it's we are saying that the nth child one, so the first child that is a TH inside sorry, that inside a T head inside our table. Uh, am I with you? Are you are you with me? Yeah, I think so. Okay, and we're saying with colon twenty percent. So we're giving it a, a width as a percentage. We could say with colon one hundred px. <coughs> Excuse me, but I like to give it a percentage because it's just easier in this case. Especially because so, let me let me remember how nth child works though. So I thought we did things like nth child minus one that kind of. Thing, but we're saying nth child. No, we never one. did a minus number. Nth child is always... Oh, I thought it was like nth child from the end kind of a thing. No, no that's nth last child. Ah. So nth last last child one will be the last one. So nth child one is just the, the first child. Nth child two, second child. Nth child three, third child. Okay. Et so you defined four children and we have a four column table. Why wouldn't you just define three of those? Uh, you could leave the last one to, to, to flex if you liked, yeah. Because uh, otherwise like... you got to do math. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I like to I like to make sure they add up to 100 because then nothing is by accident. But yeah, you're right. You could you could not you could not with the last one or set the width. Me adding correctly to 100 or so low, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you're right. You could leave the you could leave the last one out and just specify the widths of the first three. Mm-hmm. And now our table is looking a lot more sane. So we have now variable with columns, and it all looks pretty darn good, actually. Hey. Wait a minute. How come our column headings are, are left justified? We never did that. We didn't do that. Something else on the page has picked that up. So the, the, the styles leak Cheater. into things. Right? Yeah. Cheater. <laughs> I think it's picked it up from the main tag, actually. <laughs> okay. And yet it wasn't at the beginning. I was waiting to see how we were going to fix that. Well, see, at the, beginning, at the beginning, we had a very, 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 very... We had no style sheet on that page whatsoever. Uh-huh. Oh, so as soon as you put in a style sheet, it picks up. As soon as I put up. in a style sheet, it starts to have effects. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to call you out for that. <laughs> okay. Okay, so where have, I, where have we gotten to? Okay, so in our above example, we use percentages. But you could also use exact pixel values. And what you might do, say, is if you have a four-column table, you might set exact pixel values on three of the columns and leave the fourth column to the width auto, which is the default. And that way, as you resize the table, all of the wobbliness will be taken up by the fourth column, and the first three will be exactly the width you told them to be. So, hmm, that sounds kind of like what I would have done with the percentage one, but you didn't. Absolutely. Well, with the percentage one, of course, there's no ambiguity as to how wide that last one should be. But if you say width of 400, 400 pixels, 200 pixels, 100 pixels... And then you make it a thousand pixels wide. Well, then that last column is going to take all the slack. Whereas if you say percentages, then they're going to grow and shrink together. Together, yeah. Well, but if I had left the last, if I had left the fourth one blank on the percentage, it's it's still a percentage. Oh, right? you're right. Two. You're right. You're right. Right. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Whereas if you make the three of them explicit with pixel values, then all the change has to be absorbed by the one you left at auto. Okay. Okay. So that's with column width. Uh, the next thing to look at is styling the table caption. Uh, for the most part, the table caption, just think of it as a box that sits above the table. It's the full width of the table, and by default, it's centered. But you can change the position of the caption using caption minus side is the name of the CSS property. And annoyingly, even though it's called caption side, it only has two values, neither of which are actually a side. The values are top and bottom. No left, no right. Okay. That's a pity, because I quite like the idea of having it to the side and then having the text go at 90 degrees, but not allowed. Um, if you, you use that you can't do that in Google Sheets? You can't have a vertical heading? Oh, that's annoying. Yeah. That's really annoying. And on, like, you know, one zero data, you want your headings vertical so that they don't take up stupid amounts of space. Exactly. And if when you do a QFD by standard, it's at an angle and there's just no such thing. Can't do it. Well, that's very annoying. Not much you can't do, but that's one of them. Anyway. 
Okay, so if you're going to use the caption as an overall title, it makes sense to leave it at the top. But if you're going to use the caption as a paragraph about the, t- the table, then actually it probably makes more sense to have it at the bottom. So you might say caption dash side colon bottom. And I'll pop it down underneath. Oh, okay, oh, oh so th- I missed that entirely. Bottom means bottom. It means below the table. Correct. Isn't that yeah, what so a footer caption- is? Well, the footer, remember, it still has rows in it. Okay. The caption is sitting outside the table. So okay. if you look above, some dummy data is outside of the boxes. Okay. There's something you didn't say, but I read in the show notes earlier, was that the caption tag can be thought of as a title or a caption, where a caption you normally think of as being underneath the, like underneath a figure, for example. Yeah. Uh, but a title you think of as being at the top. So that's what you're about, top, bottom. Got you. Yeah. So depending on what way you want to use the tag, then I'd say keep it at the top or move it to the bottom. But as I say, the way you do it is side is referred to as top and bottom. But okay, yeah, exactly, because you can't have left and right. (laughs) Who named this? But anyway, someone did. Probably a committee. Uh, Okay, so the next thing to talk about is styling the rows and cells. Okay. So, with the exception of the special behavior of the borders and anything outside the borders, the cells behave like any other box on a web page. So, we're used to having a content region, a padding, a border, and then a margin. Well, the border and margin are sort of taken care of by the table. But everything else is still within our control as normal. So you can set a padding on them to pull stuff away from the borders. Oh, when I said margin, that's the word I should have been saying was padding. Yes, okay. So the padding behaves completely like normal. So if you want a padding of five pixels and say padding 5px. Yeah, I've I've noticed by default tables kind of tend to smash the words up against the edges. They do. They have a default padding of zero, which looks ugh. So yeah, so you probably want to put in a padding. Uh, you also control the alignment. Um, so you can say text as align like we learned about in installment six, you know, center, justify, whatever you have in yourself. Uh, and then the other way you can align a table, which you can't do with a paragraph, is you can vertically align it. So if you have, say, uh, on column four, you have four lines of data, but on column one, you only have one line of data. Where do you put that one line? Do you put it in the middle, the top or the bottom? Mm-hmm. And so the property is vertical dash align, which can be top, middle or bottom. I'm a fan of that one. Yeah. Now, a little special, a little power feature I thought we should talk about, because we've done all the easy stuff, so why not do something fun? Uh, Long, unbreakable text like a URL can cause problems in tables. Uh, They'll either result in having stupidly wide columns, or they'll burst through the edge of the columns and overflow into their neighbors, (laughs) neither of which are good. Mm Mm-hmm. So you may, if you have a table that contains a a, a column of URLs, you may actually want to intentionally truncate them. The chances are they're clickable links. So does it really matter if you can't see it all as long as you can click on it? And even if you hover over a link, you'll still see where it goes. They should be using Linkify Clipboard Text Expander Snippet. Indeed you could. (laughs) But maybe you want to show as much of it as fits and then cut it off instead of putting it off after the domain name. So we can do that by truncating the cell. And to do that, we're going to learn, we're going to talk about three CSS properties, two of which are new and one of which is revision. So we'll start with a revision. So we learned in installment eight about the overflow property. So you have overflow X, overflow Y, and then overflow, which is a shortcut for X and Y. And we learned that that's what, that lets us control what happens to the bit that falls out of the edge of a cell. And one of the values was scroll to make a scroll bar appear. And another value was hidden to make oh. the overflowing content just disappear. So the first thing we're going to do on our, in our truncated cell is say overflow X, so the horizontal overflow, colon hidden. Make it go away. Okay, that's part of our solution. But actually what you'll notice is that a URL that contains a minus sign, like say let's-talk.ie, <laughs> the minus sign is a breakpoint. So the chances are let's-talk.ie URLs will get split over two lines and look wrong compared uh-huh. to what you're So maybe we actually we should control what to do with the, the white spaces in text. And so there's a CSS property we haven't talked about before called white minus space. And that tells the browser what it should do when it runs out of, you know, when it's coming to the end of the space for a line. And the default value for white minus space is normal which means, it means a few things. So first off, it means that m- multiple consecutive white space characters, that's spaces, tabs, and new line characters, 
should all get collapsed and treated like a single space. So when you're writing your HTML file, you can put 20 enters in and it just displays as a space, right? You can indent it any way you like and what comes out is a space. If you have a paragraph and it takes 10 lines of space in your code, it doesn't necessarily take 10 lines of space on the page. And that's because the normal behavior is that all white space characters are collapsed into a single space. Okay, that's why that happens. That's why that happens. So that's the default behavior. And the line will will break, will wrap around to a new line on a space or a dash as and when is needed. And that that does make sense in the context of you're writing a paragraph. Yeah, it makes sense. That's one of the ways you force it to go to a new line is by putting the dash there at the end. Yeah. Or when you get to the end of a line, I should say. In, in when you used a typewriter, kids, this is how yeah. it worked. You put a dash at the in the middle of the word. Yeah, hyphens are basically places you're allowed to break words. Right. So the default value is normal, and it behaves like we've seen everything behave so far in the series. The next value we have at our disposal is called no wrap, not no warp, no wrap, W R A P. And no wrap means that multiple consecutive white spaces are still collapsed into one space. So basically the layout of your HTML doesn't affect what the, what the text looks like. But it will not move on to a new line until you meet a BR tag. It will just keep going on one straight line no matter how long it is until you meet a BR tag. Hmm. That's what no wrap means. Uh, pre then is that white space is preserved. So it's pre-formatted is what it stands for. And that means that the only time a line will break is when you meet a, an enter character in the actual text. So you could put uh, a bunch of enters and they would show up as They would lines. all show up. Okay. Also, yeah. So it comes out exactly like you typed it in the HTML. Is pre. And then pre-wrap is just like pre, except it will wrap onto new lines when it hits the edge. And so they're your values you have to play with. So what we really want here is no wrap. So we have white space, no wrap. And that gets us one step closer to what we want. Okay. And then the final step is a little bit of sugar to make it look pretty. So hang what on, we have now, let me let me review. So I, I thought I followed those four, but now by the time those got into my buffer, I forgot why we're not using uh, overflow dash x colon hidden. We are. We we need to set three properties to get the behavior we want. So we're setting. So we're saying that the overflow should be hidden. Okay. But I'm saying if you have a URL with a minus sign, it oh, won't right. it won't flow out of the edge and get hidden. It'll wrap onto yeah, a new yeah, line. Yeah. Okay. I'm so back with you. Thanks. Doing that. So we say overflow, overflow X colon hidden, white space colon no wrap. And we now have what we want, as in it will get truncated, but it won't look, it'll look weird because the stuff will just stop. So a little bit of sugar to make it look more pretty is a new property that was added in CSS3, which is a, a way of telling the browser to put in some sort of indicator that cutting off has happened. Oh, And it's the text minus overflow property. And its default value is, again, a silly default. It's clip, which basically means <laughs> chop nothing. it off. Chop it off. Uh, but the value we want is ellipsis. Oh, cool. Which means it will put that little three dot character to indicate I have chopped something off. And so if you put all of that together, so we say some table, T body, TD, nth child, whatever. So some column. White space, no wrap, X overflow X hidden, text overflow ellipsis, we will get prettily truncated URLs. Oh, wow. Sorry, I'm playing with the table now, looking at it when I hover over the things watching the ellipses show up. Good. Okay. So that brings us neatly onto our worked example where we're going to try to tie everything we've learned so far together. So usual, download a zip file, make a folder, PBS11, drop the stuff in, remember to turn on your server, and then browse to localhost forward slash pbs11. By the way, did you so, know you don't have to do that? You can just double-click on the HTML file and it opens it up? You can for now. Ah, bad habit, huh? Bad habit, because when we start getting into JavaScript, that's going to cause problems. Okay. Which is why I've been telling people all along how to do it this way. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention to you for the last three times. <laughs> well, at some point, it would. Uh, at some point, it'll stop working. At some point in the series, your little double click will stop working. It works fine for now, though. Okay, so if we fire up the page, we see we have a page with three tables. Oops, we actually fire up the page. PBS eleven. Uh, 
Oh, for God's sake. Sorry. Learn to type. Okay, so three tables. We have two tables that are basically the same data, but one prettier than the other. Mm-hmm. So we, it's again, it's our dummy log data. And then we have a third completely different table at the bottom. So let me see. What do I want to draw your attention to? So <clears throat> let's start with this. So the HTML is as we've seen it already. So we, we don't really need to dwell on that. But let's look at the styles for first the simple table. So let me find the right so that's bit your here. Basic so, table. So this would be a good point in time for me to ask you a question. I've I've had written mm-hmm. down here and I've been waiting for the right time to ask it. When you start defining these classes, um, do you, do you try to create somewhat generic classes, or are you think in your head? Are you going okay for this table? I or this element? I'm going to want to have this these attributes, so I'm going to make a, a class just for it. And if you do that, you're going to end up with like thousands of these over the course of a lifetime of a website. Or um, do you try to be as generic as you can and name them? This is for when I'm doing IP data, or you know. You try to strike a balance between the two. It, it's every site is different. It, it's, it's a black art, is what it is. Actually, um, yeah. there's no point in saying there's an easy rule. Like, think on your on something like a blog. Actually, you won't end up with very many of these things because, like, like we were doing for you, you might have, say, you know, a class you apply to figures that you want to appear centered with a caption underneath, and another class for ones you want to float to the right with a caption that floats with them. So that's two classes of image. Mm-hmm. And then you might have a simple table. You probably only need one or two styles of table, really, don't you? Probably even just one for a blog. Yeah, I, I don't know. I started thinking that maybe what I'm going to want to do is at the top of my CSS, create myself like a little table of contents. Like it says, uh-huh. if you're making a table that's going to have flags in it, look for this ta- this uh, class. Where yeah. I've got some magic decoder ring at the top because I can I can just picture myself scrolling going, I don't remember what I called it. Yeah, to be honest, I would very often at the top of my CSS file have a little comment saying, you know, commonly used stuff, three types of figure, four types of whatever, here's the classes. And then yeah. all you have to do is say figure class equals. Right. And all the rest just happens. Because sure. Sure. Yeah, that's that's to find the one you want to use. And if you need to modify it to do a command F in that, yes. in that giant yeah. CSS of doom. Trademark yeah, and again, book. comments in the giant CSS of Doom will certainly help. Okay. Because I'm already so, yeah, starting to get lost, and I think I've got four classes so far. <laughs> I, I Remember that you can separate sort of regions. So I'll often have like um, a multi-line comment with like a line of all equalses, then the name of the section, then a line of all equalses. You know, like okay. figure, you know, slash star, a whole line of equalses. Define the style for different types of figure. Whole line of equals ah. star slash, and then do all of my figure stuff, and then have another whole line of equals saying, you know, and now code segments or whatever. So then, when you're scrolling through, every time you meet a whole line of equals, you know that I'm now moving into a whole different region. Have a quick look at the title, not what I want. Keep scrolling, or you could do a command F equals equals equals, and you can jump between them. Precisely, yeah. So I, I tend to go for big chunky comments whenever I move from one region of a file to another whether that be a JavaScript file or a CSS file I like it okay so basically the answer to your question is there is no one answer <laughs> but here's a way to manage it when you do create this yeah and it's to be honest it's trial and error what you over time you'll discover the style that works for you you, right. you I'm just thinking it'd be good to do this ahead of time if I'm gonna want that later <laughs> mm. Some things, sometimes there's nothing beats your 10,000 hours of experience. <laughs> yes, I'm going to use your 10,000 hours of experience. Of experience. <laughs> okay, so because so the first thing we look at is the style for the basic table. So nothing very exciting going on here. We have a width of 100%, a border collapse of collapse, and a layout of fixed. Then we say that our T-head and our T-Ds get a one-pixel solid black border, and we get a padding of two pixels to stop the letters touching the borders. Thank you. We style the caption by giving it a font size of 14 points, making it bold, and giving it a padding top and bottom of 0.25 M's. Oh, there you go. Sneaking some M's in there. I like M's. M's are great because they're relative, so if I change my mind on the font size, the padding will adjust. Okay. Okay. um, We then have a style for our green bar table, as I'm calling it. So the second table is the same data again, but much prettier. A little green bar table. 
So starting on line 58 of the CSS, we have the style for our green bar report. So I've given it the class green bar underscore report because you told me they were called green bar reports. So that's what I called my class. <laughs> and this is from the 1850s when I learned, actually after we left the uh, the age of using punch cards, but you had this paper that was striped green, white, green, white, green, white, and allowed you to look horizontally across these, you know, 18-inch wide pieces of paper that came off of the printer. Well, if it makes you feel any better, in 1997, when I learned to program in Java, we were still using those printers. Okay, there you go. Good old And the, to this day, actually, there is nothing can spit out a thousand lines of source code as quickly as one of those printers. Yeah, actually, it's not inkjet. What were those called? Oh, they, no, they were impact printers. They're going to be... Yeah, they only were they went really quick. So, <laughs> and the paper just spewed out of the top of them. They were great. <laughs> Fanfold onto the floor. Yeah. Or there's nothing like, you know, showing, you know, so have you finished the assignment, so how long is it? And you hold it up and it just falls the whole way to the floor. <laughs> oh, it felt like you accomplished something, though. I thought so. I thought so. Anyway, so they were green bar reports. So, again, very similar. We're saying make our table 100% wide, collapse the borders, and set our, tab- our table layout to fix. So you should be just seeing a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every table, you're probably going to want to set its width to something specific. It's border collapse to collapse, and it's table layout to fixed. Right. In this case, our caption, we're saying, stick it over to the left, make it bold, and give it a padding of, again, our quarter M. Now, we want to style the header on the footer of our green bar report so they stand out. So we're saying report space T head, comma, report space T foot. So we're now addressing the whole region header on the whole region footer. And we're giving a pixel to that, a border to top and bottom to that whole region. We're saying one pixel solid dim gray top and bottom border and then i'm setting the font color to dim gray as well and a background color of light yellow so that's applying to that whole region everything within right. that region so if you look right. back you'll see that that is indeed how it looks so that let me look so it's to the the header and the footer we're saying i make him, thought we were t- i thought that was the where'd the caption go caption is sitting above it says some dummy oh, data. okay okay Gotcha. Okay, I'm I'm with you again. Okay. Now we want to style the rows. Actually, Wait, sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How did how did the the footer end up going across all the tables, all the the columns? Where did we do That's that? That's in the HTML. Remember, we haven't touched the HTML, so it still says call span four. Is in the HTML. Okay. It's in the HTML. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I was looking for it in the CSS. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, then what attention I'm- and everything. This is amazing. Sorry. So by default, T-head tags are bold, but actually I don't want them to look bold. I've, I've made the background color do the work of marking it off as a heading, so the bold actually just looks silly. So I have said table.greenbarreport space T-head space T-H, comma table.greenbarreport space T-foot space T-H, font weight normal. So in other words, I am asserting that I don't oh. want the default of bold. So I would you had like to it. override yes. something that's in the normal CSS to do that? Yeah, so the default value for that tag is to be bold. So okay. we're overriding it by saying, no, no, don't go with your default. Do this. Because if you say to do this, you're going to win over a default every time because a yeah. default has a specificity of zero. Right, right. Uh, now, we're also similarly saying for the T-foot, I would like the font style to be italic because it's mm-hmm. kind of a note about the data rather than anything else. So I've just said all data in this table is fictitious. So that lo- it looks silly to make that bold. You know, Just make it italic and subtle. And then we come to the fun part, which is the rows. So we're saying table.greenbarreport space T body. So in other words, we're only addressing rows in the body. Space T or colon nth of type odd. Oh, that's how you're doing it. Yes. So every odd row we're going to color. It's hash E6 FEE6. That's basically a subtle green. Mm-hmm. And then for completeness sake, because what if we use this table on a page with a pink background. Uh, I don't want pink to shine through, so I'm explicitly saying to set a background on the even columns, or sorry, the even rows of white. Perfect. Okay. Then finally, I'm saying all the same again, but this time colon hover, so that when you put the mouse over a row, I'd like you to make it bold. I'd like you to make the background color Alice blue, which is a lovely color. Hmm. And I'd like you to give a top and bottom border. So if you hover over the table, you will see it goes blue, gets a border top and bottom, and goes bold. Oh, look at that. That's pretty cool. That is a lot of control. 
that is a lot of control. And the final thing I've done, as I've just said, a vertical align of top. Just just in case anything goes over multiple lines, I would prefer on the green bar report that everything sticks to the top of the green bar. I just think it looks better. Yeah, actually, you can if you squeeze up your page enough, you can get some stuff to, uh, to jump wrap. over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does look, I think, I think it looks better to stick it to the top instead of having it wiggle around in the middle. It all depends. It all it's depends. a matter of choice, but again, yeah. you have the power. I have the power. Yeah, I love So this. the next thing I do in the CSS is I start setting explicit widths. Now, because we have two tables that contain the same data, rather than setting the widths twice, I have used a class. So I have given both of those tables, the basic one and the green bar report, the same class of logs mm. because they contain the same data. Okay. So I have said in my style sheet, table.logs, thead, th colon, nth child one with 20%. So I'm setting that 20% width on any table with the class logs, which means it applies to both of our tables. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm... Okay, caught up. I was thinking. Okay, good. Uh, Now, in our more advanced of the two tables, I've actually also manipulated the fonts of some of the rows. So the rows that contain effectively Unixy data, I've made be a fixed width font. So the Unix timestamp, the ISO 8601 date, and the username, I've made a fixed width font so you can tell the difference between your ones and your L's and all that kind of stuff. But the little action-y bit I've left as a normal font because it's just English. So to do that, I gave that table an ID of logs underscore table underscore adv. Is <laughs> that for advanced? advanced? Yeah. Okay. Now, another little trick here. If your selector gets too long to go on one line, they can actually be put onto multiple lines. So I've said hash log table advanced space t body space td nth child one comma. And then onto the next line just to make it look in any way sane or civilized. The same thing again, but for column two, comma, the same thing again for column three. Then finally open my curly bracket, font family, career new, career monospace. So let me see if I understand that then. So you've, you've defined it. Uh, you, put the, you put the hash and the, and the, the ID name. That's the ID, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. ID name. You put it in three times. Do you have yeah, to so have it three the, times? We do, right? Because so the comma means and. So everything before the commas is all building up, right? So we're saying a table... Uh, that is an nth child one that is inside a T body that is inside this table, comma, a, se- a, a table that is a second child that is inside the T body that is inside that table, comma, a third child inside a T body inside the table. I, it just seems like you would have been able to just say the ID once, but apparently not. Well, no, because otherwise that second rule would apply to everything, right? The comma is basically starting over again. So we oh. apply it to this thing, comma, this thing, comma, this thing. I thought the semicolon says and then everything else, but in this case... No, comma okay. is and. So it's, it's, yeah. it's basically, it's a shortcut for writing that same font family thing three times. Okay. So then, and then the fourth thing you write is, and if I haven't specified it... Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. 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 You're saying for all three of these things that I've just specifically called out, nth child one, two, and three, inside mm-hmm. a T-body, inside this ID... I mm-hmm. want you to have font family, courier new, courier mono, monospace. Then nth child four is going to be whatever the default was. Yeah, because we just, we just have nothing to say about nth child four. Got you, got you. Okay. Yeah. So then you can see on the page that those are indeed fixed with fonts in, that, in those three columns. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, so the last table is the, odd, is, the, is the subtly different one. So it actually does have the class of green bar table. So it looks like a green bar table. But we want to add some extra rules to it. So the first thing we do is we set the width for it. So I've called the, I've given the table the ID cool URLs. <laughs> so using the same formula we've seen before, but this time instead of setting percentages, I'm setting pixel widths. So I'm saying nth child one gets a pixel width of 250 px, nth child two gets a pixel width of 200 px, and the last one, just in case it's inherited something, I am saying width colon auto just to be explicit. Does that make sense? The default value for width is auto. No, no, no. But if I, I say it, then it's not defaulting. Yeah. Um, I understand that, but why are we doing an ID of cool URLs on three columns where only one of them is URLs? That's just the name. That's just the ID I've given the table. 
oh. table has the ID. Oh, I'm URL. sorry. I'm sorry. I, I got you. Took me a minute. Okay. Got it. Okay. Okay, and then the last thing we're going to do with this table is the second column we're going to turn into one of these truncated cells. Or, you know, we're going to make all the cells in the second column be truncated. Okay, so this so is where we say white dash space, no wrap, overflow dash X hidden, and text overflow ellipses. 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 And so we apply, we apply that to hash cool URLs space T body space TD nth child 2. So in other words, the second cell inside every row in the body of this specific exact table. You know what I like about this lesson, Bart, um, is A, I'm never going to remember this, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am going to remember why we did it, how we did it, and how to find lesson 11 mm-hmm. <laughs> to go back and be able to see your table, see your CSS and go, oh, yeah, 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 that's why we did that. The combination of the CSS file with the, the HTML file with your notes as long as we can remember which one is which. One thing I might do, and I think it's probably going to mess things up, so I'll have to think about it when I type it, is instead of just saying PBS11 in my htdocs, I might call that PBS11-tables. Well, if you go to bartb.e forward slash PBS, you'll see they all have names, and this one is called tables. Right, but if I'm looking, if I've got my my nice little htdocs and I just want to whip open the one where you did that CSS... Ah, yes. I'm going to go, well, I don't know which number it is. And then I've got to feed through uh, PBS on, on uh, Bartby.ie, and I'd get there eventually. But I think I could do it if I did this. I suppose you could just rename the folders in your local web server. Yeah, that's, exact, yeah, that's what I think I'm going to do. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Okay, so the last table there, we have our hoveriness. Sorry, we have our truncation going on. So the first URL is actually the URL to Chitchat Across the Pond, which is quite a long URL. So you'll see that it truncates with the three ellipses. And when you hover it, the font gets bigger. And so what you'll see is that the three ellipses actually move a little further into the URL. Yeah, yeah. Because the browser very intelligently will always just have the very end of it just be those three ellipses. Wherever it gets cut off, that's, that's where the ellipsis goes. And in fact, the, the bottom URL has no ellipsis normally until you hover over it. And then it develops an ellipsis because it becomes too big. I'm also forcing it by doing a command plus just to make the That'll page That'll do it, yeah. Actually, does it? No, it's not doing it. I think just because everything's getting bigger, it's just sliding off the page to the right. Oh, no, there Ah. I went. I went big enough that I got it to do it. Okay, good. So the nice thing about that uh, text overflow property is that it it will only put the ellipses when it needs them, which is actually really nice behavior. Yeah, yeah. You can just tell it means, okay, and then this fell off the page, so... Hover. So there. If you want to know what? Yeah. So there. You shouldn't be trusting a link anyway. Yeah. So you know, and you, I say you can use it for other things too. But that that is a really nice use of that property. I like so it. So there. I think we have done some pretty nice tables. I think so too. This was really cool. You know, it's funny how PBS is going. Some of the lessons are just nearly killing me, and some are. I, I think I understand all of it. Uh, but I, I, to the rest of you guys, what Bart and I have done to help both our brains is we've separated chit chat from doing other recordings. So we aren't on the horn for you know two and a half hours, and then we're just brain dead by the time we get to these parts. Yeah, for the I think for the first eight of these PBS series. We recorded about an hour-long security bits, and then immediately without, well, maybe with a potty break, but pretty much immediately dived into this, and that really backfired on a few occasions. That that hurt, that hurt. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe that one lesson that I was completely lost on was just as easy as tables, right? <laughs> it wasn't. No, that, that, that one was just not. So at this stage of the game, we're actually doing pretty good, because we've now covered all of the HTML we're going to do for a while. We have a few little bits and pieces we'll come back to, but we've done all the basics. And we've done them pretty well, actually. And we've done a really good introduction to CSS. There's a few more subtle little things that we'll pick up later in the series. But on the whole, we, we now have a really solid grasp of HTML and CSS. So the triumvirate of technologies that make, the web, that, that make web pages come alive are HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So we're two-thirds of the way here. So Ooh. you can probably guess where we're going next. Yay, JavaScript. That's terrifying. I don't know anything about that. Well, good. So I've decided to. There's two problems, right? To using JavaScript in on the web on the on a web page, there are actually two distinct problems. There's learning JavaScript, and there's learning how to incorporate JavaScript into the web. Now, if you already know JavaScript, then okay, it, I'll I can teach you how to incorporate it into into the web. 
But if I don't already know JavaScript, it's a really heavy lift to go from zero to incorporating it into a web page. So I've decided we're not going to do that. What we're going to do instead is we're going to spend a few installments in a sandbox. So I have created a little sandbox where we can run JavaScript as just JavaScript Hmm. and not tie it into a web page, but just write little programs in JavaScript that do little things. So we learn how to make JavaScript go. And when, we, when we're confident that we know enough JavaScript to be dangerous, then I'm going to spend an installment teaching you how to tie that JavaScript into a web page. Because basically, like with CSS, you have to attach the JavaScript to things. Hmm. In fact, the way JavaScript works is it's an event-driven model. So what you actually do is you, you bind JavaScript code to events. So when a user clicks on this, run this code Ooh. when a user loads the page run this code but it's always this event then do this this okay. event then do this and just learning that is actually a whole installment in itself which is why i want to split it apart so i'm not making people's heads explode somehow i have this visual representation in my head of a of a, a little playground with a bunch of no silly castaways on little tricycles running into bumpers on the sides not hurting themselves <laughs> well that's the basic idea actually yeah so you, you shouldn't be able to hurt yourself because you can just hold down the shift key and press refresh. It <laughs> will be brand new again. You can start over. <laughs> that sounds really fun. Well, this has been great, Bart. Uh, I guess we'll see you in another couple of weeks. Indeed. I'm really, really looking forward to teaching this JavaScript stuff. I think it's going to be great fun. And I, I'm really hoping it'll be one of those magic light comes on moments and it'll just rock. Yay. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Well, until then, happy computing. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is an unsponsored show, so if you like what you hear, you can help support the show by using the Amazon or App Store affiliate links you'll find over at podfeet.com. I love feedback, so if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com. If you want to join in the conversation with other listeners, you can go over to our Google Plus community at podfeet.com slash Google Plus or our Facebook group over at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.